You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast interview. We are previewing Texas and Kansas State. One final game in the regular season for the Longhorns. And joining us to talk about it is the one and only Life of Fitz. Well, Tim Fitzgerald, publisher, um, gopowercat.com. Um, and of course, Life of Fitz on Twitter. Fitzy, how you doing? I'm good. Is every, everything okay in Austin? It's no. been a little weird. It's been a an eventful season. I, I mean, okay, let's start right there, Fitz. From your vantage point in Manhattan, Kansas, although you're in Kansas City right now for a for a basketball tournament, uh, but from your vantage point in Manhattan, Kansas, what has this Texas Longhorn <laughs> season looked like in year one under Steve Sarkeesian? Well, it, it honestly looks like a bunch of guys who just think they should win instead of having to go through the things that you need to do to win, <clears throat> which sometimes can be common when um, all you've done throughout your career is be better than everyone you've ever played in any sport, which is typical of a five-star kid that they've just been superior athletically. And it, it can be too easy. And sometimes when you get challenged, they, it doesn't work out so well, but you got to find a core group of guys to back down or back buy in and get the rest of them out of there. And that's one of the things I, I said on one of our podcasts is if I'm Sark, I hit that locker room on Sunday and said, uh, here's the administrative assistant or associate AD in charge of the transfer portal. <clears throat> here's your chance. Let's just go. If you don't want to be here for this game and for next season, here's your person. Let's go. Who's in, who's bought in, what we're doing and whose plans on being here and if we have to play a, a running back at safety we're going to go do it but these guys are our guys and that was in the message because I, I just think that it just looks like a team with a completely dysfunctional locker room yeah i think that's a great uh, perspective i love <clears throat> getting uh your perspective on it because you're like i am you know we're old heads in the big 12 and have seen a lot of stuff i mean i'm sitting here reading about K-State, reading about, um, you know, they're averaging 6.2 yards per play, and the school record is 6.47, 6 uh, from 1998. I covered that 98 season with Michael Bishop and uh, the Wildcats. So, you know, uh, you and I, we go back, Fitzy. That's a pretty good team. In fact, <clears throat> I've got a daily delivery, one of our videos up, uh, about Michael Bishop because Coach Snyder has a book coming out um, within the next week or two. <clears throat> His autobiography, uh, co-written by D. Scott Pritchard, one of my former employees. So um, this team has been sneaky good, bad at times, but it's kind of funny. They're they're right in the middle of the Big Twelve. Their their four losses are to the four teams above them in the standings, and their four wins are against teams below them. There's been nothing really shocking. About the outcome of any of their games it kind of just, just followed chalk so to speak and um that 
that's almost Snyder-esque. I mean, Bill Snyder always beat the teams he should beat. And Chris Kleiman started to do that. So we'll see if that translates Friday into a game. Honestly, K-State should win because of everything going on in Texas, even though I suspect they'll play this game without Skylar Thompson, which is not good news for K-State. Yeah, let's let's uh, <clears throat> let's start there. Skylar Thompson, uh, who's been on a tear, what, the last seven games he's thrown for – 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, um, but he gets hurt in um, in the Baylor game last week, and and it looks like it might be Will Howard. I know Chris Kleiman said there's a chance Skylar Thompson would play against Texas, but what what's the latest, Fitz? I would assume that um, Skylar won't be able to go. I, I think what he said was you know that maybe we get to game day, they can piece him together. I don't think they have any intention of playing him. I, I mean, I, it looked like a high ankle sprain. He got rolled up on, and you don't bounce back in a week for that. With that, but the good news is that would mean he would still have a bowl game. So his career isn't over at Kansas State. But um, it will be interesting to see if they have to go with Will Howard, who struggled somewhat in his time um, relieving from earlier in the season when Skyler was injured, but also has some attributes that might might do well for them in a game. He's a, he's a very able runner and has developed as a passer. So it, it might change K-State a little bit, but uh, the problem is Skyler's leadership is gone. And boy, the whole team responds to Skyler typically. Yeah, Sky, uh, or Chris Kleiman, <clears throat> Chris Kleiman calls him Sky, right? Yeah. Which is yep. kind of cool. Kind of a cool nickname. Yeah, they've got an interesting relationship. I mean, because Kleiman recruited him to go to North Dakota State before K-State got, ever got involved in recruiting, so uh, they've known each other a very long time. Well, let's stay on Chris Kleiman for a second before we get to Deuce Vaughn. <clears throat> but Chris Kleiman, I mean, look, you can you can coach a long time by winning the games you're supposed to win and losing the games that you're, you're supposed to lose. Um, Les Miles survived at LSU by winning the games he's supposed to win. Uh, and so how is Chris Kleiman doing? How would you, how would you rate him in year three, a progress report? Yeah, it, you know, year two was very disruptive for the program. Um, you know, some pro programs like Baylor came through the pandemic season. Great. I mean, um, other programs really struggled with the case. They'd had a lot of in injuries, um, locker room issues, and it just didn't go well. So really that, Last season kind of put a pause, <clears throat> excuse me, on everything that he was trying to do. But they did win eight games in the first season. Um, if they win Saturday, they'll be at eight again. And I, I think, you know, eight and four uh, in the in regular normal seasons, not counting the disaster of last year when they just flat ran out of the players by season's end, um, is is the kind of steady stabilization of the program that probably they needed. But boy, they got a lot of work to do in terms of upgrading talent and um i think they'll be accessing the transfer portal as much as any program in the country this off season the this is kind of the the time period in eligibility that coach snyder's recruiting dropped off um so they really do have some thin spots for next year but i'm not sure uh, of course i haven't studied this but i'm not sure anyone has done more with the portal in one season than kansas state uh, they'll quite often have three starters on in the secondary out of the portal from last year. And, 
Uh, one of their nose tackles that plays a lot, Timmy Horn from Charlotte, is out of the portal. So, boy, they've got – it's just amazing um, how much they've gained from the transfer portal and probably they'll, – they'll lose guys. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I think we're going to see something happen this week with that. But um, they are – they've learned what they want out of the portal, and it doesn't matter if you come from Iowa, Louisville, or Prairie View A&M. If you can help out, they'll, they'll go grab you. <clears throat> well, that's key, you know, making sure that if you do go to the portal that you hit – um, the worst thing is to go to the portal and and not reap any reward from it. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian's going to have to do the same, uh, especially on the offensive line. But uh, Fitzy, let's get to the Deuce man, uh, Deuce Vaughn from right here, um, Round Rock, Austin. And this guy is something. I mean, 5'5 five, five and leads the team in rushing, <clears throat> leads them in receptions. And and does it all. I mean, what what does this guy mean to that to that team, and how beloved is he by the fans? Well, you, you nailed it. it. It's not just about what he does on the field, which is fairly spectacular on a regular basis. It's who he is. I mean, this is a great kid. This is an awesome kid. He's really got his you-know-what together. Um, so he's fit in really well. He's well-liked in the locker room. He's a very humble guy. Um, but boy, he can make things happen. K State was able to score one whopping touchdown against a really good Baylor defense, and it was Deuce um, getting loose through that secondary and outran a really fast Baylor secondary to the end zone. So the terror of Round Rock is uh, is ready to go home, and it's going to be interesting. I think this game means a lot to him. Yeah, I mean this. Uh... You just don't see this very often. And ironically, Steve Sarkeesian brought up Darren Sproles, another pocket rocket from K-State. How do you compare those two? Um, a little bit different players uh, in the fact that when Darren was playing, you could see how it translated to the NFL. Um, and Darren is, if you put the two side by side, you would notice the difference. At height, they're, they're pretty pretty similar but Darren is just so thick and strong and and not that Deuce isn't but he's Darren was just kind of a freak he had you know tree trunks for legs um and it really helped him but both of them don't take many direct shots and that's you know everyone's house so little and survive well you don't get a direct shot on him Deuce plays so close to the ground it's almost comical Chippy we ran a photo of him behind his offensive line looking for the hole. And his head was basically at the level of his one of his uh, offensive lineman's butts. He was down that low. Um, and you'll see him, and you don't notice it when he runs, but you'd still photos that he runs so low, his knees are sometimes about that far off the ground. It's crazy. I've never seen anyone run the way he does, but he just squats down and hides behind that line and just pops out. I can imagine it's a pain in the butt to try to find him at times. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, <clears throat> I remember Texas players talking about um, Kyler Murray being hard to find coming out from behind his offensive lineman and uh, Deuce Vaughn even more so. Um, okay, so um, who else on offense, Fitzy, are the players to watch for K-State, um, you know, skill <laughs> player-wise? Well, um the other running back, Joe Irvin, is pretty good. Uh, he's he's a little dinged up right now, and I don't know <clears throat> if he'll be able to go. Um, 
but overall the team's healthy. Receivers just been kind of a cast of characters. Malik Knowles should be the top guy, uh, but really hasn't shown that at times. And and uh, they've had different guys step up throughout the season. Daniel Bebe and Sammy Wheeler, two tight ends, can make big plays. And I think they're underutilized, to be honest. I think K-State could really kind of mimic what the Chiefs do with Mahomes and Kelsey if they wanted to because Bebe is particularly talented as a pass catcher and and runner once he catches the ball. He's got two long touchdowns. Um Overall, though, for the most part, when you talk about this offense, it's the offensive line, although they got crushed last week by Baylor. This has been a really, really good offensive line that has cleared space for the running game and allowed this uh, you know, offense to kind of be twofold in the fact that they have done a good job forming pockets for Skyler Thompson to step up into and pass, but there, there wasn't much of a pocket last week. So the offense definitely isn't um, going to scare the daylights out of anyone. But uh, it has been efficient enough to to win a lot of games. Well, let's uh, we'll take a quick <clears throat> break here with uh, Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com talking Texas K State. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I mean, I got to know more about my man, Felix. Mm. Felix, I'm going to butcher his name, Uzoma Anadike. And you, DK Uzama. Yep. Anadike <clears throat> Uzama. And, uh, and he just added the Uzama this season. So um, he it's like he knew he was going to be a star, so he had to add the hyphen. I love Make that. It really interesting for us. Another great that. kid. Uh, you know what? Both of the both you've asked about him and and Deuce are both sophomores, and they're really consummate K State recruits. You know, Deuce had an obvious flaw in in uh, his measurements, <clears throat> and a lot of schools pass over him because he was too small. K State has never had a problem with that. In fact, they're back on the recruiting trail with a 23 recruit who's about the same size out of Derby, Kansas, named Dylan Edwards, who's getting a lot of national attention actually. But Felix was <clears throat> originally going to be a, a blue shirt, which is a weird, weird thing, where you just kind of walk on. You were never formally recruited. You're recruited, but you don't come on a visit, and the coaches don't don't come to your home for an in-home. Uh, and then you just show up on the first day of practice, say, I'm here. Can I walk on? Sure, have a scholarship, but this scholarship counts for next season. What a weird rule. Um, but as soon as he got there, it was pretty clear – he had something special. He needed to get bigger. He was 220-pound the end. <clears throat> He's gotten up to two, 245 or so. But 
uh, he made a play at Texas Tech that seemed to change him. And uh, it was early in the second half. K-State just punted away their opening possession. And uh, I think Tech had the ball at the three or four. And um, he just crashed through the tackle and, and had a, scored a safety for K-State. And that seems to just erupt his confidence. In the next game, he had that six-sack slash four-sack game, which is a weird thing, but NCAA got involved. But it still, it went down as a four-sack game, which tied a K-State record. Um, <clears throat> six would have tied an NCAA record, but he forced, he did his job too well. He forced two fumbles that were recovered for no gain. So um, you can't have a sack if there's no gain on the on the play. Uh, so it, uh, he's, a, he's special. Uh, he's a, another great kid. In fact, they're roommates. And uh, it, he is, you got to double team him. If it's a passing situation, you don't double team him. He will be bugging your quarterback if not sacking him. Yeah, he leads the nation in forced fumbles with six, has 11 sacks. He's a half sack shy of the school record. Who holds that school record? I didn't I didn't note that. I'm uh, sure it's I know this. Uh is it Niall Wyron? Um, I have to I'd have to go look. I've looked at it, but my brain isn't fully caffeinated yet. Yeah, Wyatt, um, uh it's not maybe Darren Howard. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, where'd they find him, Fitzy? Where'd they find He's, Felix Anyadike uh, Uzoma? He is a Kansas City Metro kid. He's from Lee Summit, Missouri. Um, you know, we, when we cover recruiting, we kind of can't count the whole Metroplex as Kansas in-state recruits because, I mean, you don't even know when you cross the state line. <clears throat> so, uh, he was just one of those kids that they had, they brought him in in camp. They saw how good, quick twitch he was and Got to meet him, and you know that's that's it. And you know that's another thing that set K State back is they rely so much on their camps to find kids exactly like that, and then to go a pandemic season without being able to have those camps um, really set back their recruiting quite a bit because um, it's not you know they're two hours from Kansas City, so it's not like they had a ton of kids that could just drive to campus and see things. But yeah, Felix was uh, King Felix, as the fans call him, was uh, you know a great recruiting find out there in Kansas city and there's players. You just got to look for them. So uh, going back to climbing for a second, how many of his, uh, his assistant coaching staff, his 10 member staff came with him from um, North Dakota state? I think it's four. Um, you got Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator, and Joe Klanerman, the defensive coordinator. Um, it might only be three now. Jason Ray, the, running backs and tight ends coach and oh Connor Riley the offensive line coach this is the four um and they're you know Connor Riley's an incredible offensive line coach Kansas State's been lucky to keep him but the way he wants to form an offensive line takes a little while I mean you go out and find the athletic 240 pound kid and try to make him 290 pounds that's a project uh but it, it works but yeah he, he brought in some guys both of his coordinators came with him and you know coach Messingham is a wonderful dude um, had been offense coordinator at Iowa State, was removed there, and he's constantly under fire by K-State fans. Nobody likes the offense coordinator, too. Unless you score 80 points and score whenever you want to, everyone hates the offense coordinator. Boy, they call the plays that don't work. <laughs> I love it. I, I mean, that continuity <clears throat> is important, and I think that's something that we're, uh, we're going to find out about Steve Sarkeesian with how, you know, who who stays who goes i mean ideally the last thing texas needs is more change 
um, because it's been an absolute turnstile. But um, man, it it uh, it pays dividends when you hire a good coach and he's able to bring people who've been with them. They know what they're looking for in recruiting and how to develop and and all that. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, the transfer portal and Russ Yeast. Mm the safety from Louisville with three interceptions. He's, he's one of those guys, right. Who yeah. has come in and helped make a difference. You know, we can talk about King Felix or Daniel green at linebacker. Who's been fabulous this season. Rush East might be the MVP of the defense still. Uh, he has been uh, Daniel green. Incredible. Yeah. Daniel green at uh, linebacker has been incredible, but Rush East might be the, the best of the bunch. He's, he's had an incredible impact on this team. Um, you know, he comes in as a safety. Julius Prince comes in from Iowa, starting corner. Uh, Stubblefield comes in from Prairie View A&M, who's been an incredibly disruptive presence and a, a fan favorite already. Um, but yeah, Rush used is he's a ball hawk. He, he'll get after you. And he's awfully fun to watch. Perfect? No, but um, certainly always out there given everything he's got. So where's the, where's that defense? I mean, obviously they can get uh, pressure on the quarterback. Uh, any weaknesses on that K-State defense? Um, when they get too passive and sit in zone, um, they they tend to give up a lot of first downs. They they tried that <clears throat> when they were playing Oklahoma, Iowa State. They just got way too conservative on defenses. <clears throat> Sorry, Chip. Um, one of, they're running this three three five, which is brand new to the program. In fact, brand new to the coaches. They'd never run it either, so they're they're on a learning curve too, and and they try to install too much. Uh, so when they strip it back and stay simple, they've been aggressive and and uh, assignment sound, maybe more predictable, but they're doing the right thing at the right time, and they've been much better. If you look at the scores over the last five games, um, starting with the second half, probably Texas Tech, in which they pitched a shutout, um, I, I think they're at like fifty nine points over the last n- nine halves of football. Um, and that's pretty good. That's that the defense has been really productive. And when you look at the stats from Saturday's game with Baylor, Baylor had the ball, uh, 36 minutes out of the game, ran 81 plays. And yet K-State only gave up 20 points and seven of it was on a muffed punt to start the game that gave Baylor, you know, they were going to score a field goal or a touchdown. They have to get into the touchdown. So really the defense for the most part held Baylor to 13 points and, and Baylor was really productive on offense. They just couldn't score. Well, I go back to that K-State-Texas Tech game. Um, that's the game that ultimately led to Matt Wells getting mm-hmm. fired. Now, Tech clearly was trying to get in on Sonny Dykes, and TCU had already made its move with Gary Patterson to get in on Sonny Dykes. Um, and now, obviously, Texas Tech is going with Joey McGuire. But at the time... Uh, Tech was up 24 to 10 at halftime. And as you mentioned, K-State outscores them 15-0 in the second half. And Matt Wells gets fired the next day. What did you see anything in that game that would that just screamed, wow, Matt Wells has got to go? No. Uh <clears throat> I I think that one might have been a little premature, but um it looked like a team that wasn't fully bought in, to be honest. When you, when you lose that way, um, when you get shut out and give up just enough points to lose, almost looks like at a, home. A, yeah, a team that didn't really care about the fate of its coach or the program, and 
wasn't really all the way bought in. Uh, in an interesting development because uh, Matt Wells is one of Chris Kleiman's best friends in the in the industry, and the lead that was firing, I think, was a little bit uncomfortable for Coach Kleiman. And turn around and take out Gary Patterson the next week was a pretty interesting thing to go two for two in back-to-back games, winning and, and getting a coach fired. Um, I, I'm just a little baffled by the Sonny Dykes love and affection. I mean, I think he's a good coach, but to have two Big 12 programs in Texas lined up to take him as right as he starts to sputter at SMU this season, I just thought it was it, like, really? That's that's where we're going? And Sonny Dykes is, is the bell of the ball? I, okay. Yeah. I I agree. Gary Patterson, uh, some school is going to grab him and yeah. be really, really happy with. Uh, no, you got to have the right school. I mean, he's old yeah. school and the old school ways don't work the way they used to. And uh, I I know that uh, Coach Snyder always said that <clears throat> kids are kids. And even though some things change, well, boy, uh, you just can't do some of the things And we really saw. I think the program rebel against Coach Patterson. I don't like the way TCU handled it. I don't know why you're talking to your coach at midseason about stuff. Not a coach that's been there and done what he's done. Let him get to the end of his year before you even bring anything up. But um, it, it was clear that something was defective in that locker room. And that's going to happen. But, boy, he's someone's going to take him. I think it'd be funny if SMU ended up hiring him. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of swap coaches because uh, I, I – don't think that'd be a bad hire for SMU unless you're worried about exactly that, that he can't really relate to the modern player, which I guess um, as we all get old, we, we, we try to stay relatable, right? I, I'm, I like to be cool. I joined TikTok. I don't want to be Gary Patterson. I'm still cool, man. You are cool. And you know, it, I'll, I'll say this too. Chris Del Conte leaving TCU had an impact on that situation because Gary Patterson helped, um, you know, Jeremiah become the athletic director there at TCU, gave him, you know, great praise uh, to the administration. So Jeremiah gets the athletic director job. And then when Jeremiah goes to Gary to, you know, kind of check in and see what's going on, Gary doesn't want to hear about it from the young AD. And you have to get along with your boss or it's going to be, a problem. So, um, uh, just a, <clears throat> a grander thought. If you look across the landscape of college football, and, and I'll be honest, this is as much about Bill Snyder as Gary Patterson, and there's other coaches. Uh, you ascend to a level of success at your school that you start to forget that the football program belongs to the school and not you. Um, because both of those coaches were so essential and monumental to the success of their program. At TCU probably owes Big 12 membership to Gary Patterson. Um, but you can never forget that you're the employee <clears throat> and, and not the team owner. Uh, even though you built what's all around you, you built it for someone else because you were paid to do so and paid really well to do so. Um, and I, I see this happening all across sports where coaches forget they are employees. <clears throat> They're hired to do a job, and just because they do that job well doesn't mean um, – they can be rebellious and, and those type of things. So, um, yeah, I agree. I call it legacy prison. You just kind of mm-hmm. get trapped into the thinking of I'm the program, you know, mm-hmm. and they do. How, and how do and it's hard. I, I can see why they would think so <clears throat> when they look around and everything around them, 
from the uniforms to the the buildings and the stadium and you know if you're bill snyder stadium and a highway and every you got a monument out front a huge statue it's hard to hard to forget that but i at the end of the day you're handsomely paid to do a job and if you do it well um you are praised but if you don't you're at, at the end of the day you're still an employee um fitzy what about special teams? Because we talked about Malik Knowles uh, as a receiver, maybe not having quite the year. Um, but, man, he sure comes up with big plays uh, in the return game. Yeah, and everyone's trying to avoid him. The problem with that is you got Phillip Brooks as your other back guy back there, so you don't really want to kick it to him. Phillip is, you know, had the punt returns last year. He hasn't seen many returnable punts all year long. They, everyone has punted around him very well. But special teams is so important for Kansas State. And that was probably what made last week so frustrating was you gave up seven points to start the game. You get the three and out against a really good Baylor offense. You force a punt. And your usually reliable punt returner just flat drops the ball just right through the chute uh, and gives up a muff punt that leads to a touchdown. Later, you're – Brand new freshman kicker who came in when your other kicker got injured and decided to quit because of the injury. Uh, true freshman kicker just doink a field goal. Well, I'm not, I'm not a math wizard, but when you give up ten points in special teams and you lose by ten points in a game, that's that's not a good formula for Kansas State. They've got to be good in special teams, Chip. You know this. You've been around them. They always seem to make that play and special teams that changes the trajectory of a game and that happened to them last week against Baylor. Yeah. And that's rare. I mean, K-State yeah. has been Seedly so rare. good about not beating themselves. And that was, that was a rare uh, site last week. It's, it's interesting um, because you look at K-State and their ability, you know, Snyder put so much emphasis on special teams and all went from David Allen to Darren Sproles. I mean, everybody fears, you know, K-State's return game. And here's Malik Knowles, certainly capable of, of changing the game. Um, so when you look at this K-State team and, you know, I want to look a little bit ahead to next year. Um, what does this team look like next year, Fitz? Well, you, you got to start a quarterback. <clears throat> You're going to have uh, um, a new quarterback, probably Will Howard. But the, the first thing to watch for Casey in the offseason is what they do in the transfer portal. Do they look for a quarterback? Um, they seem to have good depth in that quarterback room, particularly if they add one in this class. But uh, they also um, have you know, had Will Howard for the better part of last year, even though he was a 17-year-old freshman. Um, and really under-equipped to, to do what he did. He did a pretty good job considering everything. And this year he's been okay. Um, so what will they do there? Uh, the offensive line will be okay. they got to go find some receiver help. And, um, you know, you got Deuce back. So that yeah, you, you will probably always have running back transfers when you have Deuce Vaughn. Those guys just aren't going to play, and we'll see how that plays out. But offensively, they'll be okay. Uh, but, boy, they just, like I said earlier, they're into the part of the roster now that's become upperclassmen, you know, juniors and seniors, 
when Coach Snyder's recruiting really dropped off. So now the depth is going to be a serious issue. And uh, I think we're going to see them in the, the transfer portal even more than usual because um, the pandemic really crippled their recruiting and the fact that they couldn't have people come on campus. It's not like they're in a big, big metro area where a ton of people could just drive to campus and you know drop in. Um, when you couldn't have official visits or anything, it, it really took the air out of everything for them. So we got a lot of work to do in, in, with the portal in particular because if you go look at the 24-7 recruiting ranking, they stink. It's, they really do. Now, that's not to say they don't have another King Felix or Deuce in there that all of us missed out on, but they saw. But overall, they don't have enough help coming in. And plus, Chip, they're not getting <clears throat> on a consistent basis. Deuce would be certainly an exception. They're not getting the type of true freshmen that come in and immediately impact your roster. Uh, they'll impact depth. They, they might play special teams. But this is a developmental program. And guys come in and get better and better and better. And we see the results. And it's worked through the years. But I think the the transfer portal to Coach Kleiman is going to be the, what the junior college ranks were to Bill Snyder. And if he can be good in it, do a good job and master it, uh, the program's going to be fine. Overall, you'd say Chris Kleiman feels like a fit, though. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. Absolutely feels like a fit. <clears throat> you know, so there's still a, a group of fans that are committed to the idea that the only reason he got the job was he's really close friends with the AD from North Dakota State. You know, that they both were up there together and <clears throat> he was the guy that Gene Taylor promoted at North Dakota State um, when they had an opening and um, then he hired him here. Uh, but he's a really good football coach. He's a really good fit. He's, you know, um, from a cultural standpoint, he, you can understand why K-State picked him over Neil Brown, who were the two finalists for the job. And, um, you know, the thought was that he's a Midwest guy that will come and stay. And we'll see if he can earn the right to stay over the long term. Because following Coach Snyder is not easy. No, you never want to be the guy to follow the guy. Uh, one quick question about Andre Coleman, because Coleman um, obviously uh, was here as an analyst under Tom Herman and then was promoted to receivers coach. And um, that's been a position that needed guys – uh, to step up and we're talking like third year players like, you know, Marcus Washington um, and um, you know, Josh Moore has transferred now out of the program. It just seems like that position has been um, in flux. Uh, Andre Coleman, what was he like there at K state? Obviously he's a, a legend there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really is. <clears throat> he's the first of the great returners. Uh, return specialist in, you know, Bill Snyder's time at K-State. Um, good coach, uh, can be a really good recruiter, if so motivated. Uh, the problem is he's not always grinding on the recruiting trail. Uh, hard coach, he'll, he'll get after you a little bit, but he has good eye for ta talent. For example, <clears throat> Byron Pringle, who's with the Chiefs now, you know, was, I don't know if he was all Big 12 at K-State, but he played at that level. Um, came in from junior college and the reason he was in junior college is when um andre was at youngstown state he saw him in tampa he's a young man with some uh criminal issues in his past and uh once those kind of popped up he couldn't take him at youngstown got him placed at you know, junior college and and then stuck with him and got him to k-state it was a good good piece of recruiting uh because despite byron's struggles in his past it was uh he's an awesome awesome guy and really kind of group asset and that was a big part because of 
uh, Andre's commitment to sticking with him. Um, but I will be intrigued to see if he lasts down there. Uh, he was, you know, he was the return coach at, at Kansas State. Um, Sean Snyder got a lot of credit for for Andre Coleman and other coaches' return game. You know, the the actual return specialist. Uh, but he he's a whale of a return specialist coach. If, if that's what he's doing, also for Texas. Yeah. Um, who's the best team in the Big Twelve? Oklahoma State. Um, and Baylor's right on their heels. And what's really weird about this is it's because of defense. You know, both of those offenses are good enough to get by when you have a really good defense. And guess what? They both have really good defenses. You know, K-State actually moved the ball pretty well with Will Howard at Oklahoma State. They just had some mistakes. Will made had a fumble in the end zone for a touchdown and uh, just, you know, made some mistakes. But they kind of moved the ball. Man, Saturday against Baylor, that that case in offense has been productive, has been solid, has moved the ball against pretty good defenses. Just couldn't do anything outside of Deuce's long run. That was that accounted for a fourth of the offense of the entire day. Um, but both of those teams, I, I really hope Baylor wins and Oklahoma State wins this week because um, it'll be an interesting message for everyone to see a big 12 championship without Oklahoma or Texas, considering the whole narrative that's been going on around the conference. Cause I think those are the two best teams. And Chip, I think those teams hold up in the playoff better than what Oklahoma has recently uh, because of that defense. They're going to go play defense against people and, and keep their offense in the game. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think you, you said it right, uh, right on the money. Um, Fitzy, anything else that stands out to you, even even thoughts about Texas um, from your perspective heading into this game Friday? Well, you know, I've always been jealous of you and, and everyone else who gets to cover Texas because uh, there's, there's so much to write about. But this season's been special for you. I mean, this has been a good season. I mean, there's I, been some TMZ in there, Fitzy. I don't. I don't remember ever seeing a uh, well. Let's just say, or ever hearing about a uh, uh, an exotic dancer named Pole Assassin. It, it's kind of a double entendre, isn't it? Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's been amazing. It's, it's. I'd like to thank Texas for the entertainment this year. And then the question at the press conference the other day, I didn't quite make it through the entire question. I. I got so uncomfortable listening to the question that I had to stop it because I was, uh, what, what a season. What a season. Has the monkey gone on record though? I mean, that's, I want to know, I want to know the monkey story. Chip, you should write that book. I mean, I monkeying around. Gia. Gia, Gia is the monkey's name. And Gia apparently is, you know, off limits. Well, and, I don't want to even that little trick or treater was supposed to, you know. A trick or treater clearly did something. There's no doubt about it in my mind that trick or treater was at fault. Probably trick or treater went banana. after Gia and Gia said, No, no, no. That child was probably dressed as a banana and it led to confusion. I mean, it's possible. Anything is possible this season, Fitzy. We've learned. Um, but, uh, Crazy. 
I mean, I just love uh, any chance I get. I'm sorry we had to wait to the final game of the regular season to have this conversation. Of course, K-State will move on. Play in a bowl game. Texas will not. But uh, Is that a relief? Is it a relief? I mean, that's so sad. But I've had people say this team doesn't feel like a team that needs to go to a bowl game. I'm like 15 practices. Yeah, that's important. That's really important for a new coach. But uh, I got to admit, I I was kind of relieved when I saw that they were not going to be five and six. They were going to be four and seven. So bowl eligibility was out of the equation for this weekend. But now I wonder if Sark's just going to find the guys that are bought in and go play a better game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing. They They had a double-digit lead in the third quarter against the three best teams in the conference. And that erosion of confidence led to them losing at home to Kansas. The same team that was good enough to get a double-digit lead in the third quarter against OU, Oak State, and Baylor um, lost to Kansas. And so it's uh, maybe I've always said you do everything you can to get to that bowl game so that you get those practices and develop the guys that you are counting on for next year. And they, there are some young guys that they're hoping will emerge. And, you know, clearly uh, there's, there's some older players who got frustrated and the Bo Davis player leaked video, whatever, but um, it's, yeah, they're, Steve Sarkeesian's going to have to do it on the recruiting trail. So without the bowl practices, he's going to have to go hit the recruiting trail like crazy those two weeks leading up to signing day and and deliver the goods. So Sometimes you just got to move on. Yeah. And that's what it's felt like. It almost felt like the Kansas game was the players saying, let's, let's get out of this season. But um, Well, the, the fear, Texas fans fear K-State and Kansas because – you know, we've seen players, you know, Josh Freeman, Yaman figures, like have career days. I've always yeah. joked that Josh Freeman should have to contribute to the Longhorn Foundation for the for the game film that he had against Texas, got him into the NFL, you know, jokingly, of course. But Yaman figures, that guy was so up and down. But every time against Texas, the guy looked like, you know, yep. Jerry Rice. Yep. It is kind of crazy. Um, and Kansas this year, I mean, Carter Stanley in 2019, this time it's Jalen Daniels. Who I have to say, uh, I, I picked Kansas to cover that game, um, because of him. I think he's legit. I think he's really good. And the fact that he's agreed to burn his red shirt and continue to play this season, which I think is weird when you don't have more at stake than just winning another game. But, um, I find it curious. And I think if that young man went into the portal, he'd find a lot of inter- interest in him. You know, Chip, he started last year during the pandemic, and he was 17 all season long. Wow. He was 17 throughout the season. And uh, he's a physical presence, and they wanted to redshirt him because of that you know, maturity. But um, you can see great quarterbacks, the whole team responds to him. Yep. And that's – Kansas has been playing better defense since Jalen Daniels went in. Um, well, not only because he inspires them, but he possesses the ball. He keeps the offense on the field for him. Um, 
So yeah, and Devin Neal. I didn't expect good. him to win, but that was crazy. Yeah, Devin Neal's a good running back. Yeah, they've got some. They've got some guys, and and they always recruited well under Les. There's no doubt about it. They couldn't really keep the recruits, uh, but uh, they do have some guys now. The transfer portal and how it applies to a program like Kansas is going to be an interesting study because they need to get into the portal and find trouble. I don't know how I ended up talking about KU and find some some guys to to find some players, but will they constantly every time a guy that steps up and starts to succeed? Just step into the portal, go find a better program, and and that could be just a nightmare for them of losing talent. All right, real quick, K State basketball, Fitzy. What? Oh, uh, oh, why don't you do that to me? <clears throat> they're good, they're better. We got? They, speaking of the portal, they went and found three guys that are playing significant minutes for them, including Mark Smith, who started Illinois, who, who K State plays tonight, and then went, or uh, and then Missouri, and then ended up in Manhattan. Solid player. Ish Masood from Wake Forest to stretch four. Good player. Uh, Marquise Noel, a, a point guard. <clears throat> Jury still out. Uh, active little 5'7 guy. K-State insured people seem to go together. Uh, <laughs> they'll be the team will be better. They'll be they'll be more entertaining and and better to watch, but they weren't last night. I, I don't know what they ended up, but at one point the three newcomers were one of thirteen from the field. So they've really acclimated well to K-State basketball. Um, but it, it, they're just not good enough. They, and plus on top of all that, I think the league is going to be scary good. And Texas is really good. Kansas are talking about, um, I kind of feel like Kansas is just chip pushed in all their chips and said, you know what, NCAA come get us, but we're going to do this right now. Um, so it, uh, I don't know if it'll translate to being better than ninth in, in the conference standings, but they'll be better. Oh boy, it's it's bad. It's 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 horrible to see what K State basketball has become the last two plus years. Man, I mean, there were some uh, there were some tough minded K State teams under uh, Huggy Bear and Frank, and 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 Bruce inherited <clears throat> that attitude. You know, he he he's one of those coaches who step in and you get a locker room that is bought into the school and you add whatever ingredients you add to the previous coach that didn't have, and they won a big 12 title. Uh, then he, then he hit the lottery with a group of players that, you know, won a big 12 title. Uh, and now he's looking for that next group, but maybe he has them in the sophomore class before they got a long ways to go. Well, Fitz, listen, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to spend uh, with us this Thanksgiving week, and we wish you and yours a great Thanksgiving, my friend. And, and I'm, I'm really thankful that I got to invite you, Chip, and all of you viewers into my hotel room. I mean, it's that kind of season for how Texas. often, right? How I often know. do you just walk into someone's hotel room? I know, and boy, that bed's a mess. Well, we won't even ask about that, but. Uh, <laughs> I will see you Friday, my friend. Yes, safe, I'll be there. Travels to Austin. I'm going to have a Thanksgiving in Austin. Oh, yeah. That's, that sounds like a bad Hallmark movie. Well, and we thank everybody for listening to the flagship podcast interview with Tim Fitzgerald. Um, for Tim, for Fitzy, I'm Chip Brown of Horns247.com. We'll see you over at Horns247. And until next time here on the flagship podcast, stay safe and keep the faith. 
From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!